0: Well, good morning. That's the question we're asking this collection, these sermons. What do you do when life goes up in smoke? And the simple answer that we've been exploring in different ways and avenues is simply this, that when life goes up in smoke, we encounter God around the fire. We encounter God around the fire. Um, If you're new with us, welcome. My name is Matthew. My wife, Amber, and I get the pleasure of serving here as lead pastors, and uh, today, I'm gonna ask that you uh, indulge me just for a minute. Would you, with your applause, uh, congratulate my lovely wife? Uh, today, 17 years of marriage together. You put up with so much. I know we don't look nearly old enough to have been married for 17 years. It's true, it's true. Uh, today, we're gonna jump into the Word. And so, if you have a copy of Scripture, I'd love for you to join me. In Exodus chapter 13, just a quick recap, in week number one of this collection, we said the big idea was this, that when your best intentions go up in smoke, that's when you encounter God's restorative mercy around the fire. Last week, Pastor Clayton brought a great message on the subject, really, of prayer and worship, and and we discovered this last week, that when your passion for God goes up in smoke, Then you get to encounter God's presence with a sacrifice of praise. Today, I want to bring a message uh, entitled, Seeing Through the Haze. And the big idea today, here's here's the sermon in one sentence. If you're taking notes, you'll want to jot this down. And, And it's simply this. When your plans go up in smoke, encounter God's divine direction around the fire. Encounter God's divine direction around the fire. Uh, Exodus chapter thirteen is our our main text this morning. Exodus thirteen, starting in verse seventeen, this is this is where we'll we'll pick up today. Now just a real quick, uh, kind of Cliff Notes versions for those of for those of us that are new to studying Scripture or new to the story of Scripture. Uh, God decided He wanted a family, so He started with a man. That man, uh, He and his wife, they had a son. and that son had some kids, and then it started to grow and grow and grow. And over the years, what started as a single family developed into an entire nation, a large group of people, and through a very, uh, very uh, various circumstances and decisions, the people of God found themselves in slavery in Egypt. And God sent a man by the name of Moses to go and lead God's people out of slavery into a promised land, a land that he had promised his people where they could dwell and live and thrive and flourish. And so here we are in Exodus 13 that Moses showed up, had led them out, and Pharaoh decided, okay, you can go. Get out of here. And the people of God were now exiting Egypt making their journey and beginning their journey to the promised land. And that's where we pick up the story in Exodus 13. It says this, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though it was shorter. God didn't lead them through the Philistine country, even though it was was shorter. Come on, how many of you know sometimes God leads us in our lives and we don't go the most direct route. We take a lot of detours and reroutes along the way. And here's what I know is that if you always took the short route, then you would sort short circuit the development in your character that God needed you to develop. You'll miss out on circumstances and seasons and situations that are meant to develop your character. See, because your character is what sustains the promise. It's your character that allows you to really walk out all that God has for you. And when your character is underdeveloped, God has no choice but to help develop your character. And when you always take the short route, when you always are looking for the shortcuts, you short circuit and you you short end yourself on the character and the development that God has for you. God did not lead them the shortest way. Come on, God's ways are different than your ways. His ways are higher. His ways are different. He thinks different. It it was a different way. And God, it goes on to say that God didn't lead them by way of the Philistine country. For God said if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. If they face war now, they'll quit. If they go through this season now, they'll turn around and go the other way. They'll return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert road towards the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt ready for battle. See, I want you to notice here in the text that God didn't say they were unprepared for battle. He just said it wasn't time for them to fight a battle. See, when you are being led by God, he will lead and guide you in every season and step when you need it when it's time, and they were ready for battle. In other words, when they left Egypt, they were organized, they were structured, they had done everything on their end to be ready, but God said, there's something, they're not ready for this just yet. I'm so thankful that we can trust a God to lead and guide us when we need to get there, that we can be ready. See, I have learned over the years that divine direction from God is better than your own instincts. Your instincts might tell you, all right, let's go, let's do this right now. But God's direction might say, no, that's not the way. That's not the way to solve this problem. That's not the way to go about it. This isn't the opportunity for you. See, God's divine direction doesn't always follow suit with your instincts. But God's divine direction is better than your instincts. It's better than your instincts. And God led them away. It wasn't the shortest way. It wasn't the most direct way, but it was God's way. And we can go along with the Lord. And I'm so thankful for the Lord's ability to lead and guide us in that way. It goes on to say in verse 19. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him because Joseph had made the Israelites swear an oath. He said, God will surely come to your aid. And then you must carry my bones up with you from this place when I was uh reading this text I was like this is really a weird weird scripture right like right in the middle I'm gonna lead the people out it's not gonna be the shortest way they're gonna have to battle and do these other things they're not gonna be quite ready for it and then oh by the way go ahead and take this corpse with you right? like this just didn't this didn't really make a lot of sense as to why they would say hey why don't you take this but here's the deal Years earlier, Joseph, who a, a patriarch in the family, uh, was there and he died there. And he says, I don't want to be buried here in Egypt. I want you. Uh, and he had them make an oath that says, when you leave this country, you'll take me with me to the promised land that God has given our people. And so the, when Moses and the people left, they honored their ancestor by simply following through on a commitment that they made. This is really important when it comes to learning to hear God's voice. Follow-through matters. Obedience matters. How many times have you heard God speak to you, maybe in a sermon or through your time in the word, and you hear the word, but you never followed through on what you heard? You never applied it? And then all of a sudden, after a season of time, you're like, God seems so distant. Where is he? I haven't heard him speak in a really long time. James 1 tells us that we're not just supposed to listen to the word, we're supposed to apply the word. See, it's in the application of God's word that transformation actually happens. Change begins to occur. It's when we apply the word that we hear that God moves us to the places that he wants us to be. See, it's in the application. In Isaiah 6, Isaiah is prophesying and he says, Oh, the people have grown dull in their hearing and understanding is missing. See, it's when we go on and on hearing God's word, but never obeying it, never following through on what he's told us to do, that all of a sudden our ears get uh, changed to a different frequency. We start obeying our ways instead of God's ways, and we get to a point where we can't hear God clearly anymore through the static and the noise of our lives because we haven't really followed through on the last thing God asked us to do. We've never fully obeyed the first time. For, for the pe- children of Israel, they were making good on a promise. They were walking in obedience to a command, to an instruction that was given to them. I, I want to talk just for two seconds to all of my middle schoolers, high schoolers, and college students for a second. E- e- Ephesians tells us to obey our parents and honor them. This is exactly what the children of Israel were doing to Joseph. They were honoring him and obeying him. Why in the world would that be so important? Because uh, God gives us authority figures like parents and teachers to, to like ruin our lives and make lives no fun. Nope, that's not why. Although sometimes it feels that way. No, he gives us authority figures in our lives to listen and obey to, so it trains our ear to hear him. See, because if we can't obey authority figures who we see, who we can hear audibly, and who we have experienced a measure of their love and care. How could we ever develop an ability to hear, to see, obey a God whose love is limitless, but yet we can't see him personally? The parent-child relationship is really often primarily one of the main things that God blesses parents and children, why that relationship matters is so we learn how to listen correctly. So that if we can learn to listen to our parents, then we can learn to listen to our Heavenly Father. Because hearing matters. You need to be able to hear the voice of God in your life. Because He wants to lead you in divine direction. Verse 20 says this, After leaving sucketh. They camped at Etham on the edge of the desert. I'm just glad that when you're in a place called Sucketh, and life sucketh, God will lead you right out. I'm just saying, like, hang in there. If life sucketh, hang in there. God will lead you lead you right, right out. Hashtag Preacher Humor. By day, by day, the Lord went ahead of them. The Lord went ahead of them. Come on. The Lord goes ahead of us. He's already in your tomorrow, so you don't have to worry about your today. He's not bound by time and space. He's already in your tomorrow. He knows what you need before you would ever even ask, but you need to ask anyways. Oh, I wish I could preach this. But we got some other things to cover. Let's keep going. The Lord went ahead of them. He went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way And by night, in a pillar of fire, somebody in the chat, go ahead, throw, I want to flood the chat with fire emojis, flood it with clouds, come on, a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire, God said, I'm going to give you these to lead and guide you, so that they could travel by day or night. See, most people could only travel by day. See, what was a limitation for most people became an opportunity for God's people, Y'all, I'm, I, I didn't preach last week. It's all set a fire in my bones. Y'all better buckle up. I hope you brought something to take some notes with. I'm going to be spitting some stuff today. Like literally probably, but that's neither here nor there. So they could travel by day or by night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. None of them left its place in front of the people. Friends, the pillar of cloud, And the pillar of fire, or the pillar of smoke, the pillar of fire, were a visual. They could visually, like physically, they could see these things. And it indicated two things. It indicated God's divine presence with them and his divine direction that guided them. It represented his presence with them, and it was a visual to let them know where to go. It guided them. When the cloud moved, when the pillar of fire moved, the people moved. When it stopped, they stopped. Man, I pray that we would always be a people chasing the presence of God. That wherever God's presence is, wherever God is at work, that we would be there in the middle of that. That we would follow his ways to such a degree that we would know that he is at work among us. That we would know that he is speaking to us day and night, night and day. The cloud was there. The fire was there. This week in your Connect group, you're going to read another passage. In Numbers chapter 9, where it talks about how it rested later in their journey over the tabernacle. And any time the clouds started to move, the people of God had to pick up camp and they started moving again. And whenever the fire rested above the tabernacle, they sat down. But when the fire started to move, they started to move. Why? Because God is a God who is on the move. Behold, I am doing a new thing. It's not the same. He may be the same yesterday, today, and forever, but he's not always in the same way, in the same mode he's doing. A new thing, our God is on the move. He's on the move, he's on the move, he's on the move. The cloud all through the Old Testament represented the presence of God. It would hover in the, uh, over the tent of meeting. and in, in the tabernacle itself, there would be candles that would always stay lit to represent the presence of God that was always there. When it moved, they moved. When it stopped, they stopped. I wonder what would happen if we lived our life that way. When God said move we moved if God didn't say move we didn't move. If God said take that opportunity We took that opportunity if God didn't if God didn't say to buy that we didn't buy that if God didn't say to go there We didn't go there if God didn't say to start that relationship We didn't start that relationship I wonder what our lives would look like if that's how we lived every single moment of our day When it moved we moved when it stopped we stopped when I was a Middle school, and in high school, we uh, played basketball. and There was this drill that we did in basketball where we'd all line up and the coach would be out and he'd have that dreaded whistle. I hated that whistle. Uh, but he had this whistle and, and a basketball. And he would blow the whistle and move the basketball to the left and move the basketball to the right and move it forward and move it backward. And we had to shuffle our feet and move forward, move backward. Wherever the basketball, whatever direction the ball went, that's the direction we shuffled and moved. It was a drill to teach us agility, to help develop conditioning and quick response. Friends, this is what God's voice is supposed to do in our lives. When we hear God's voice, we move quick. We move to this side, we move to that side. Isaiah says, there will be a voice behind you, whether you move to the left or to the right, there will be a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk ye in God wants to lead you by divine direction. I wonder how many of us have lost sight of the basketball and we have lost the ability to quickly respond when God speaks to us. We are no longer in a condition that allows us to not only hear God, but to even respond when He speaks. I wonder how many of us God has been just patiently waiting for us to make the change. That He's been speaking to us, but we haven't done it the truth is life does get really murky and cloudy sometimes doesn't it life seems like it goes up in smoke and when the smoke rises it is hard to see through the haze uh, a couple weeks ago we did uh first wednesday around a bonfire here in our parking lot and it was just a fun special time all together as a church and for those of you that were here i, I know that it-, it probably meant something to you it was-, it was just a fun night to be together singing and worshiping But after everybody had left, uh, Jarrett, who is our campus and facility director, he uh, grabbed the hose and he put out the fire. And as soon as the flames went out, there was like this like cloud. I mean, a billowing full cloud of smoke, and you couldn't see through it for nothing. I wonder how many of us have felt like that in 2020. I know there have been moments, even a few months ago for me personally, As I'm trying to lead and navigate our church through this season that nobody's ever been through. There wasn't a a handling a pandemic 101 course that I took in Bible school. Like there wasn't such a thing for us. But we did learn how to hear the voice of God. And when life gets fully cloudy and murky, when you can't see through the fog, when you can't see clearly, you need to be able to hear the voice of God. Because he's above it all. He can see where you need to go next and what you need to do. He can lead and guide and direct you in the right way. See, for many of us this year, we've had vacations canceled, and we didn't know when we'd ever get to go visit our family again. We, We had unexpected accidents that occurred in our lives, and we didn't know how to handle it. We had, we had aging parents that all of a sudden we found ourselves taking care of. We've lost jobs. Some of you, the college course, it changed. And they didn't offer that class anymore because it all had to be online now. And so your plans that you thought you were going to pursue, all of a sudden you've had to pivot and change. The house that you were trying to sell never sold. Some of you had, were faced with opportunities and you didn't know whether or not it was a good opportunity or a wrong opportunity. And you've learned long enough that not every open door is opened by God. And you sit there looking at the fog, wondering, where do I go next? What direction do I turn? This relationship has gone up in smoke. Now, what? Where do I go from here? When you can't even see clearly and you're trying to have to make a decision on where to go next. Many of us have felt like our plans have gone up in smoke. What do you do when your plans go up in smoke? Well, one of the worst things to do is try and make a decision based on your emotions. Never make a permanent decision based on a temporary emotion. Never make a permanent decision based on a temporary emotion. But always stop long enough to hear God speak always stop long enough to hear God speak. What we need is God's divine direction in our lives. How do we have God's divine direction? I I was thinking about uh, this week, and I I was reminded of a time where my wife and I, we were traveling, and uh, we were driving through the Smoky Mountains in Tennessee in particular, and there was a deep, deep fog that tends to rest at certain times of the day and seasons uh, in the Smoky Mountains. And the fog was so dense, you couldn't see barely in front of your hood of your car. How do you navigate safely down a road that isn't straight when you can't hardly see what's right in front of you? And I feel like that's where many of us have been at this year. Circumstances of life have grown so thick around us you can't barely see straight in front of you. What do you do? Well, I think there, there are three things when you're driving a car that are really important that I think are, are great metaphors for how we can learn to hear God's voice in our life. When a, when you need to see through the thickest fa- haze of your life, I think we need to do three things. Let me give them to you real quick and then we'll unpack them. You have to limit the distractions. You have to turn on the lights. And you have to look for the lines. I'll give it to you real quick. You have to limit your distractions. You have to turn the lights on. And you've got to look for the lines. Because the lines are what guide you. Number one, you've got to limit distractions. When that fog set in, when we were driving and we couldn't really see straight, we, I turned the radio down. And, and I slowed the pace down because that helped my wife's voice go down. Had to turn off all of the distractions. Some of the distractions were self-inflicted. You have to turn down the distractions. If you are in a fog and you need to hear God, you need to turn off the distractions. You've got to limit some of the distractions. For Moses in Exodus 24, he climbed to the top of a mountain. For Jesus, he would go away to a secluded place to pray. The saints of old talk about having a closet where they went and prayed. David said that God would lead us beside quiet streams. Some of us need to limit the distractions in our life if we're ever going to hear God's voice clearly. I have these headphones, these AirPods, and they have this feature called noise cancellation. And I love it because it goes boop, 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 and then it goes silent. You can't hear anything that's around you. I think for many of us, we need to be able to spiritually go to a place where we just turn off the distractions. We, we turn mute on the phone. We turn off the, the alerts and the noise. We get away by ourselves. We, we shut our minds off for just a minute. We, we get to a place where we're just saying, God, would you just speak? It's just you and me, Lord, right here, right now. Nothing else is around. Some of you, that means you have to get up earlier. Some of you, it means you need to stay a little later. Some of you, that means you need to turn off the news and go for a walk. But you have to limit the distractions. Why? Because God doesn't compete for your attention. In 1 Kings chapter 19, uh, the prophet Elijah was out there, and he he, he he was in a mountain, and he was having a really tough, tough time in his life. He was in a dark place in his life, really emotionally a wreck. And the Lord said, go stand out on the mountain to the presence of the Lord. For the Lord is about to pass by. In other words, you're about to have an encounter with God. Get out there. On the edge of the mountain, go out there. Then a great and powerful wind tore through the mountain and tore it apart. Shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came this fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. I think 2020 came crashing, came crashing in. And for many of us, I believe it it was a divine moment for us just to silence some things. And I hope you took advantage of it. If you haven't yet, it's not too late. Silence everything for a little while and listen for the whisper of God. He wants to speak to you in a still, small, And he won't compete above the noise of CNN and Fox News and he won't compete above the noise of Facebook And he won't compete above the noise of your due diligence to be busy and to provide for your family He's not going to compete He'll wait for you to stop And limit the distractions so that you can hear God I think for for me if i'm honest in my life One of the reasons why I don't like to limit the distractions to hear God is because i'm afraid i'm going to miss out I'm afraid, like, if I actually stop, if I actually listen, if I actually just push pause, if I say no to this commitment or, or no to this invitation, then I'm going to miss out. I'm going to disappoint somebody. I'm going to disappoint myself. I'm going to miss out on this experience. Surely this is God's plan for my life, to do this, this, and this. If I don't hurry and do it, then the crops won't come in or this won't happen, and, and the things are all going to collapse. So if I don't keep it spinning, it won't keep spinning. Newsflash, the world doesn't revolve around you and you don't make the world go round. You need to stop and limit the distractions. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of what you might miss out on. Instead, listen for God and be consumed with the reality that what am I missing God on? And listen for his voice. If we're going to navigate, Through the denseness of the fog, if we're going to see the pillar of fire and the cloud in our lives, we have to be willing to limit the distractions. Limit the distractions. Number two, we not only need to limit our distractions, we need to turn the lights on. You need to turn the lights on. Sometimes things look and feel very dark in our lives. We go to a dark place emotionally. Circumstances surround us dark. You know what you need to do? Turn on a light. Darkness doesn't have more power than light. It's simply the absence of light. When you flip the lights on, darkness does something amazing. It disappears. When the darkness of your life is mounting, you need to let your praise rise to God. You need to make a sacrifice of praise. You need to sing. You need to lift a song of praise to God. Because when you begin to worship, you're letting the light of Christ in. You're letting the light of his presence into that environment, into that room, into that space. Praise lets the light in. All through scripture, the the presence of God, is is, uh, is, uh, light is a metaphor, a representative. The, The pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire was a visual sign that God was there. It was a visual sign that God was there with them listen you need the presence of God in your life some of us can't hear God clearly because we're never in his presence personally or you might come corporately and sing and worship but you can worship and sing God wherever you are and when you lift up praise God shows up in that place Psalms 34, verse 3 says, come, magnify the Lord with me. Let's exalt his name together. Psalms 140, verse 13 says, surely the righteous will praise your name and the upright will live in your presence. 1 Peter 2:9 says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness. Into his light. Worship is simply when you turn your affection and your attention to God. When you turn your affection and your attention to God, you are worshiping God, you are praising God. And when you turn your attention and your affection to God, you are magnifying God instead of your problem. Worry is just worship in reverse. And if you have a problem about worrying all the time, the remedy is to worship all the time. Some of you need to just have a steady stream of worship music playing in your house all the time. Why? Because you'll just sing, and you'll go in, and you'll go out. Worship is those things. The Bible says uh, that when we worship, we worship with a song. We worship with the dance. We worship with a clap. We worship with our hands lifted. We worship with musical instruments of all kinds. We worship when we kneel before his presence and his throne. These are expressions of our worship. Sitting still, not moving your mouth, is not worship. In fact, Jesus says, if you're going to sit still, the rocks themselves will cry out in praise. That's right. Your praise can be replaced with a rock. When you praise God, you're letting the light in. There have been moments in my life where I've experienced some deep, deep depressions. Deep, deep moments of anxiety. And you want to know how I got out of them? grabbed the shade of my life, and I just lifted it up in praise. I made a decision. I would be in the car. I would be in my room. I'd be on the golf course. I'd be running the track. It didn't matter where I was at. If I felt the darkness creeping in, I decided to let the light in instead. I've been enclosed in, in a room where I just felt this heaviness. The Bible says that he will give you a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. So when the spirit of heaviness shows up, decide to change your clothes and put on praise instead. And so there have been moments I've been alone in my office, alone in a space, and I would just make myself dance and jump up and down. Oh, did I look like a fool? I don't know. I wasn't, there was nobody else to see me, but I sure felt like one. But I decided I don't care how I feel. God is worthy of my praise. I'm going to let the light in. I'm going to sing a new song. I'm going to lift up praise to the Lord. Some of you need to turn the lights on. and Turn all the other crap off. Crap and sucketh all in one sermon. You're welcome. You need to let the light in. I can't let the light in for you you have to turn the headlights on when you're trying to navigate a dark a dense when you're trying to see through the haze of your life you've got to be the one to turn on the lights you got to turn on the lights you got to turn on the lights limit distractions turn the lights on and number 3 look for the lines look for the lines the lines on the road reflect They reflect the light. The lines on the road help guide you, no matter how windy or, or the road or straight the road, how bumpy the road, if you'll look for the lines, they'll guide you. They'll keep you from oncoming traffic, and they'll keep you out of the ditch. Look for the lines. Look for the lines. Uh, when you're driving in the lines, do you, you want to know what the lines are? Those are the, that's the word of God. It's the word of God. When you walk in obedience to God's word, you're staying in the lines. You're staying in the lines. When you're not walking in obedience to God's ways, you are driving over the lines, onto the shoulder, into the ditch. And that's where accidents happen. God's word is there to be the guard post in our lives to help us navigate You might not be able to see clearly. You may not be able to see far ahead. But if you'll limit the distractions, if you'll turn on the lights and you'll just look for the lines. God says, I'll lead you and guide you into all truth. I'll show you where you need to go. If you want to learn to hear God's voice, read his word more. Read his word. When you read God's word, your faith is built up. When your faith is built up, when you hear the whisper, when the thought comes, when you have an impression, when you have this like, I wonder, or it seems like I should do this, you'll have the faith to obey it because you've been deposited in God's word. If you don't know God's word, you don't know God's ways. If you don't know his ways, you'll get lost along the way. It's his word that will lead and guide you it's his word joshua 1 8 says keep this book of the law always on your lips meditate on it day and night so that you can be careful to do everything written in it then you will be prosperous and have success it's his word that wants to lead and guide you listen scripture is incredibly important and beautiful paul writes to timothy he says this word it's inspired by god that word inspired literally means God breathed. In other words, it was the Holy Spirit, the very new Ruach or the, the, the pneuma of God is airlocked within the pages of Scripture. So every time you flip or scroll and you read a word, you're actually inhaling like the very breath and life of God in you. God wants to speak to you and give you divine direction. You've got to limit the distractions. Turn the lights on. Shut yourself off. Get in the presence of God. Be in His Word. And that's how you hear God's Word. That's how you hear His voice. All of those things lead you to one thing. Hearing God's voice. All of those things help set the environment so God can speak to you. Listen, let me say it this way. Scripture is incredibly important because it reveals God to us. When we read God's word, we begin to understand his ways. But it is when we begin to hear the Holy Spirit's voice that we know God himself. God's ultimate goal was not that you would know his ways, but that you would know him personally. Jesus didn't promise to send us the Holy Scriptures. He promised to send us the Holy Spirit. I love the Scriptures. I love studying God's Word. But there's nothing like when God speaks to you personally through His Holy Spirit. So many of us have settled for reading God's Word... To know and understand about God, but we've never stopped to listen to the Spirit's voice, so we don't really know him personally. Jesus promised to send the Holy Spirit, John 16, 13. But when He, the Holy Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on His own, but He will speak what He hears the Father say. First Corinthians 6:19 says. Do you not know that your bodies themselves are the temple of the Holy Spirit? In other words, if you've surrendered your life to Jesus, God's Spirit has moved into your life. You have the holy flame of God already on the inside of you, and He wants to speak to you and lead you and guide you and get to know you. You can hear God speak personally. Set the tone by limiting the distractions. Get in his presence. Read his word. And just listen for his voice. Listen for the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Listen, if the Holy Spirit speaks to you, it will always be confirmed by Scripture. Always. He won't speak anything contrary to Scripture. But the goal isn't just to read Scripture and understand. The goal is to read Scripture so that you can know And be ready to hear God when He speaks. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing comes by the Word of God. If you want to hear God, read God's Word. And when you read God's Word, your ear will start to be tuned to the right frequency to hear God. And when God speaks, when He speaks to you, it is a game changer. Something solidifies it. It's faith that you've deposited the reading of the word that allows you to rise up and move forward. Listen, when life goes up in smoke, and you don't know what to do, you don't know where to go, you don't know where to turn, you feel overwhelmed, and you've lost all sense of direction, and you've become disoriented. this week need to go find a quiet place in your home, in your house, in your yard. Limit the distractions. Start with some worship. Turn the lights on. Read God's Word and then just simply say, Holy Spirit, what do you want to say to me today? And just listen. Just listen. It might be a thought. It might be just the sense that you have. He might bring a scripture to your mind. You might hear it audibly. Although I've never heard it audibly, I've had it so loud within me, it seemed like it was audible. And it always will line back up with God's Word. Jesus promised to send you the Holy Spirit. Why? Because He knew you would go through some seasons and times where you didn't know what to do. But God does. And He gives us His Spirit for divine direction in our lives. Your father of Jesus. The spirit of God is in you. He's in you. And he wants to speak to you if you'll give him the opportunity. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes as we get ready to come to the table of the Lord with communion today. Just about every week when we come to the Lord's table, we pause and we linger for just a minute. And I invite you to pray a prayer almost every week. And that prayer is simply this. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me today? Would you just whisper that prayer on your own right now? Just whisper it loud enough so you can hear it. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me today? Right there in your living room, in your kitchen, wherever you're at, would you just pause and pray? Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me today? Father, you're with us. You are here among us. This week, God, I pray that you would help us limit the distractions. Help us, Lord, to turn the lights on in our praise. Lord, I pray you would help us to stay in the lines of your word and walking in obedience Lord, so that we can learn to hear your voice. It's training. You're training our ears, Lord, to hear you speak to us. We thank you for it. Friends, as we come to the Lord's table, let's take the bread. This bread represents the body of Christ. He said, every time you eat and drink this, do it remembering me. Friends, we've ended our services around the Lord's table for many, many weeks now. Because sometimes in the world around us we don't really know what's going to happen and what's going to come next but there's always a moment of centering where we can remember Jesus and we all come back to center where our lives center at the table and at the cross let's remember the Lord with his body today and the juice which represents his blood poured out for us which makes us possible to come before the Lord as holy and righteous, not because of our own good deeds, but because of what Jesus did for us. This is what gives us access to the very presence of God and allows the Holy Spirit to dwell within us. Let's remember His blood today. Oh, Heavenly Father, today I pray a blessing over Your people. I pray, Lord, that for those that are in deep need of your guidance, maybe they have some decisions they need to make. Lord, would you help us to hear you speak this week? Would you help us to limit the distractions, to turn the lights on, getting in your presence? And Lord, help us to know what your word says so we always stay in the lines of the truth of what you're speaking to us. Lord, may the words of our mouth, may the meditations of our heart May they be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Holy Spirit, would you speak to us this week? We pray in Jesus' name, amen.